0: Previously on Give Them
1: Now, it's how many years after, seven years after, you can say so many, so many, so many, uh, there's so many new people coming in. There's so many people that are starting to, to send their, you know, the drafts to the publishing companies, They're, they're uh, getting nominated in, in, in awards, et cetera, et cetera. The, 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 the market has changed completely, completely. It's changed a lot. And, and this is because small, um, you know, some, sometimes a small project uh, helps another project to be, uh, to be born, and so forth, and so forth, and so forth.
0: Today on Geek Deming Powers.
1: And I remember in one panel, I was able to talk to the uh, with Masi, Mwawu, which is the one of the editors of Omenana magazine, which is a Nigerian magazine of speculative fiction. And I, it's, a, it's a magazine I love and I read from time to time and I looked like, look up to and influenced a lot of uh, supersonic. And I told him that and he was super surprised. I was like, somebody in Spain noticed my little, uh, you know, magazine how come? And I said, you see, you sometimes you have effects on people you don't even realize, but mm. you do.
0: You are listening to Geekdom Powers, the podcast about people empowered through their geekiness. Welcome back. My name is Guy Hasson and you are listening to Geekdom Empowers. Geekdom in Pals is the podcast that creates a huge, giant, world-sized quilt of the geeks around the world. Each person is a story, and together we are one story. One huge geekverse quilt. We've no Thanos to go like this. <laughs> Today's guest is our 1st to U10 guest. Last time we talked to Cristina Jurado about science fiction in Africa, in Spain, in oppressive regimes, and just basically by authors around the world that you have most likely never heard of, and maybe never will, because it's not in English. Cristina is in the middle of all that, and she has perspective that we don't. Her last episode sent me and Gigdemien Powers on a rabbit hole deep into Spanish science fiction and fantasy, first interviewing Coronauta, a small publisher which publishes which publishes only female and non-binary authors, And we saw how small changes can make big changes. And then I talked to two of Coronauta's authors and we saw that there's so much good stuff that we can't just read if we don't speak Spanish or in other countries if we don't speak the language of those countries. In the meantime, everyone told me how good an author Cristina is and we never talked about her stories. So we're going to talk about that as well. The time has come. The time has come, the geeks have said, to talk of many things. So, let's listen to the return of Cristina Jurado. Hello.
1: Hi.
0: Nice to see you again.
1: Hi, nice to see you. How are you?
0: I'm okay, how are you?
1: Not bad, thank you. How's Spain? Oh, it was very nice to to see my family, my friends, um, to be my my country for after so many so much time. It was great, really. I needed to see my family, so it was very nice. And you, how was your summer?
0: Oh, well, I had this podcast, which takes a lot of time, and my
1: yeah fantasy
0: epic fantasy podcast, which takes a lot of time. And we had summer vacation with three kids. Yeah. So I was full <laughs> of stuff up to here, and I didn't have time to breathe uh, or to have a heart attack. No time for me. Yeah.
1: You need vacation from the vacation.
0: Yes, yes. And in Israel, what happens is school begins on the 1st of September 1, but yeah. it's, it has three holidays. So basically... Uh-huh has begun there only six day school school days in uh, the month so it's not actually yes
1: it's okay. a okay um, yeah they we we started on the 29th of August this year so oh, yeah it's good yeah good. so that's that's very good
0: good first of all I'm really glad to have you back it was a really fun conversation and I of fun but since the last time We, I, you know, I asked you for about uh, Coronauta and then I talked to Elena, Elena, and then I talked to to, two of the authors and I went into, you know, an adventure into small, uh, um, small publications in Spain. And I just covered just a little tiny bit of it, but it was my main thought was there are so many really good things happening which most people can't read. You know, Most people can't read Spanish, they don't know uh, of these authors and other authors and things get lost,
1: I think. Well, I have I have news. Oh, yes. Because, yes. Uh, because of what you're saying and because I have a very good friend, which is also um, a writer, a female uh, a writer in Spain, Sofia Rey, she writes. She's very versatile. She writes science fiction. She writes fantasy. She writes um, uh, children's books. She writes anything. I mean, yeah. it's really somebody who has a wide range, uh, if if you if you if you wish. And so uh, we've been talking for a while that we wanted to do something to help promote. Um, the speculative fiction uh, but with a with a broad perspective with a, a political perspective uh, in the sense of uh, diverse that tries to offer a, a variety of uh, points of view not just the heterosexual you know normative uh, perspective and that also tries to uh, talk about native, um, native myths or native cultures. And so we started a, an initiative, a website. It's called, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a website called Todos los Demas Planetas, which means all the other planets, because there are so many planets out there. It's not just Earth, there are so many uh, planets. So we wanted to call it like that. And what we're going to do is like, it's, you can submit. Your uh, your short story. It has to be in Spanish. It has to be up to five thousand words. Um, and um, what we're going to do is that we're going to do a selection, the 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 best um, best. I mean, I wouldn't say the best, but the ones that resonate more with us, because who who we are to judge the quality of fellow writers? But the ones that we think it's they fit at our, our call and uh, we're going to either publish them in Supersonic Magazine, which is the uh, magazine that I edit in Spain. And one one of them, we are gonna translate it into English because we partner with Sue Work, which is a Amer- North American um, uh, author and translator. She spent many years living in Spain. She's been translating into into English many uh, short stories. I met, stories her. I met her once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, was yeah. In Virginia, so.
0: I met uh, the, the two people okay. who spoke English. So, so, so you know. Yeah.
1: Yes. So so she, uh, she I consider her a friend now because I've been working with her in other, in other projects. And so we asked her if she wanted to be on board she said, absolutely. So what we're going to do is like we, one of the uh, the stories, we're going to translate it into English. She's going to translate it into English. And what we're going to do is we're going to use our network, Sophia and my myself network, to try to publish it, uh, to help the author to get published in, uh, you know, in the international market. And this is the way we wanted to help our fellow um. Uh, you know our fellow authors to get a little bit notice out there, um, and we wanted to do it with something not just the okay, just some whatever. We wanted to be audacious. We wanted to do something meaningful. So that's why we're going for this kind of political angle. Um, you know, because I mean, in in uh, at least the way we f- we feel, I I, I speak for myself, but I think I can speak also for, for Sue and for, uh, for Sophia, uh, uh, literature is political anyhow, like you have a stance and you have, you are trying to convey certain ideas. That's the way it is. So that's, we're going to use it in a positive way to, to show diversity, to show creativity, to show uh, inclusivity and, and, and native experiences. So, uh, we, we just uh, announced it and uh, we have it. I can sh- send you later the link if you want to, to Yes, it. and I'll
0: put it at I the think, bottom of uh, the podcast, yeah.
1: And, and I think it, this is something that, you know, I don't know if we can change the world like as a whole, but we can do little things. We can help each other and do little things that when they sum up, they 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 become big <laughs> so everything has to start somewhere and this is the way we we trying to also put our authors our fellow authors out there so we're doing this just be i mean we're not getting anything ourselves out of it just the the pleasure to help people and and using our experience and our contacts so but we are uh, very motivated and this is something that we wanted to do for a certain time but we, are, we were waiting for things to get a little bit better with the pandemic, um, because we were thinking maybe if you, we do this during the pandemic, it's just going to be about the pandemic, and we just don't want that necessarily, right? So yeah, so you know, it's, it's it comes at um, the exactly at what you were saying a little bit. So I'm happy yeah. I could announce it. No,
0: I'm very glad you did. It is listen. It is shocking how much good quality stuff there is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't read Spanish, but from, I did ask each of them to read a little bit, to translate a little bit of what they wrote. And they talked about the stories and it feels like there's really great stuff out. And of course they're not the only ones. And by the way, each one of them said, Cristina is the best Spanish (laughs) science fiction fantasy author uh, there is
1: no there's so, no That's what I, I, everybody I, so says nice. no no they they are i think i remember Kariana and yeah. and laura maquillon and elena they are amazing i love them i work with them in certain uh, projects also i think i've worked with everybody and now that i think about it but it's, it's a great feeling because i i had um, i've learned so much from each of them i don't know if you know when you're working with people, you don't realize maybe at the moment, but after when you reflect, you realize how much you uh, you've getting from everybody. And then I, I like to think that they're not they they don't know the effect they have on others. They maybe don't know the effect they had on me or or in the other the other people that other people that work with them, but they do. And I was talking this uh, as you know that or I don't know do you you knew, I think we talk uh, about FutureCon a little bit. It was this past weekend. Mm. And we had panels for, with people from all over the world. And I remember in one panel, I was able to talk to the, uh, with Masi Mwawu, which is the, one of the editors of Omenana Magazine, which is a Nigerian magazine of speculative fiction. And I, it's, a, it's a magazine I love and I read from time to time. And I looked like, look up to and influenced a lot of uh, supersonic. And I told him that, and he was super surprised. I was like, somebody in Spain noticed my little, uh, you know, magazine? How come? And I said, you see, you sometimes you have effects on people you don't even realize, but yeah. you do. And I, I'm, uh, I like to tell the people that I encounter uh, this because I think we don't do it enough. We talk about ourselves sometimes too much, but we don't talk about the others and how great the work is and how much impact uh, they have on us. And I think sometimes we should do that too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And another thing I learned, by the way, uh, uh, since we talked, you have, uh, this is something I knew and I I didn't get to, but uh, you are working on... um, an anthology of European science fiction and fantasy uh, by European uh, writers. Can you talk about that a bit? And also uh, an African one, I think?
1: Um, no, oh. I, I don't. I mean, I worked in the Apex book of world speculative fiction, yeah. which is world, worldwide. It mm-hmm. wasn't European only. With so it was really fun. I had to great, I, I love Lavi. I really, really like him. It's yeah. super yeah. nice. And I, I learned so much also from him. And so anything, uh, any project I can do <laughs> with him, I jump in. I, and then I am working now uh, on a, an Arab Futurism anthology. So we are, uh, and I'm working with Francesco Verso. I'm working with Francesco Verso, who is the editor of Future Fiction, which is an Italian uh, publishing company. What Francesca does is something that you, you might be interested in, is he translates uh, from different languages into Italian without going through the, fr- fr- the English. So he has an anthology of Indian uh, science fiction, Chinese science fiction, Turkish, Greek, uh, what else i mean you, you name it Sam indian
0: Bediru. indian do you mean from india
1: yeah okay. yes, yes 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 from india yeah. um and the, it is amazing the catalog he has and is uh, what he tries to do is like okay we don't have to rely always on the, on the english okay it's the lingua franca and it serves the purpose for us to communicate and to read each other but we don't have just that option we can we can try to also uh, translate into our own uh, uh, languages, no? So, because if you think about it, we know everything about, or I mean, we know a lot about what's happening in in, in science fiction and fantasy in the US and the UK. But we don't know any, I don't know anything of, in, almost anything in France or in Germany or in Russia or, I mean, It's unbelievable that it's next door and I don't, or in Portugal, I have no idea. So that's, we should do something about that, you know? And in the case of Spain, uh, at least we have the connection with Latin America. We can always work with Latin America and get, you know, books to there and from there. It it is a little bit easier for us, even uh, in the US because there's a big Hispanic community who speaks Spanish or sometimes Spanish, and we can, we can publish our things in Spanish there, and they, they can appreciate it, and they, I think they do, but we should be able to, you know, make more of those exchanges, German into Russian, eh, Polish into Italian, I don't know, things like that. It seems that it's just one way, and no, that's not, there's that not just one way, but we have to you have, we have to have those projects. So I am working with Francesco this, in this anthology of um, Arab futurism with Arab uh, 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 authors. Uh, one day we may do a Middle Eastern one and then everybody is Israelis, is every everybody who's not necessarily just Arab speaker, right? But um, be, we felt that uh, in the Arab in the Arab countries, there was not enough uh, science fiction being produced or published, so we needed to, to really focus a little bit on this, and then open up, and then maybe in the future have like a Middle Eastern or you know something broader. But right now, we really need to start showing what you know those authors are, and some of them, believe it or not, don't even live in in the in the area they had to leave for different reasons and they are in the diaspora so mm-hmm. but but still I think it is important to start somewhere and then wow well, you know we can focus on something bigger and make it you know broader. so this is a very interesting project it's taken us a long time because there is not a lot being produced yet and uh, some uh, Arab authors I don't think they regard science fiction as a um, Type of literature, this um, worth <laughs> to spend their time. It's not real literature, you know. It's not high literature. It's like popular. It's um, well, second problem everywhere in the world, you know. Exactly. Yeah. But I think it's even more. Um, it's even more pronounced in in this in this literary traditions, and that's why I think we need to have those type of okay anthologies or try to make it to help to have a space for them. So, you know, because oftentimes after this, other other uh, initiatives come up. So one thing leads to another. And um, I, it's very, it's necessary because I think it, it is, you know, we know about Chinese science fiction. We know about, about Afrofuturism, but really what we know about Arab uh, science fiction, nothing. We don't know nothing. So we really need to encourage people to write, And and what is more important to me is to ask the people in the area, like in the Gulf states or in the north of uh, Africa and everything, how they see the future. It's not the future envisioned by the Western world. It's how they themselves see the future, right? So this is what we're trying to do. And it's a very interesting conversation that we're having with the people.
0: I remember... It was years ago, and I don't remember in what context it was. I think maybe someone published my story with a Syrian uh, author's uh, story. There was something there in the conversation, but I remember the story. Uh, first of all, I think he, he lived, he came from Syria, but lived in Germany.
1: Um, yeah.
0: And the story there was, what happens when the oil runs out? Like, it I was know. a political story. When there's no more oil in the Middle East, and everyone needs, yeah. a, you know, most most of the economies over there are built on oil. And what he said was it's basically that that was the story. The 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 regimes in those countries will try to start a war because to distract people from the otherwise, you know, well, yeah. the people will be poor and there's nothing to do. Yeah. Um, so he, he imagined that there was going to be a really big, huge
1: mm. war when oil ran out. Right Yes, and see the thing is that as an Africa, when you think about Africa, Africa is not just one thing. It's it's a multiplicity of places and 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 cultures and and and, 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 and characteristics. Uh, the, uh, the Arab world also is very mo- it's multi multiple multiple cultures. and if you think about Syria, it's not the same as a Gulf state for example, had nothing to do. I mean apart from the you know the, the religion and, the, and the, the, the language, but it's different. The, the tribal system here is not the same as in another in, in Lebanon for example or I' don't, or in uh, Iraq, I'm just thinking loud here. Uh, so it is different. And it is very interesting to see, for example, the hypermodernization of this part of the, of the Gulf states, for example. It is very interesting, it's an it's a absolute, I think we talked about this in our previous conversation. This is a science fiction set. It is, it, everything is super modern, everything is big, everything is grandiose, everything is, uh, it comes out of a book. We have um, the Museum of the Future printed in 3D, Entirely printed 3D. Entirely printed in 3D. Yes, they've been printed it in three. But no, they're almost done. I think it's done already. The the outside. It's beautiful, and uh, we have a ministry of happiness. We have a ministry of happiness, and it's everything is very interesting, right? Um, so that's what I'm saying. Sometimes it's like you go, you come to Dubai, you feel that you are in the set of a movie or something like that. It's like everything is new. It's nothing. It's uh, you, you go to Europe, you see things that have been there for hundreds years. Here, nothing is older than 20 years or 30 years, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it is, it's, it's, a different, it's a different feeling. And I wouldn't say, I mean, in a way it feels fake, Yes. But in the other hand, uh, you, you think, my God, how much these people have accomplished in so little time. But that also um, means that there have been a lot of uh, changes in society and how have they adapted and how they used to be nomads and now they're not. You know, it's, it's interesting to see how they've changed as a society. And, yeah. From, to me it's fascinating and i love i love the the desert i the desert for me is i don't know i find it very interesting and now with the dune the the movie coming up everybody's thinking oh my god now we're rediscovering the you know the spectacular uh, landscape of of the of uh, the desert but deserts have been there all the time no? mm. so and what I like about this is, it's like, uh, if you go to Antarctica and so forth, those places that are kind of—it looks like they're empty, but there's life. Life—it's hidden somewhere, right? But because they are like a canvas, anything is possible. You know, those empty spaces—anything is possible. That's why I love them so much because it's full of possibilities. And what is it? Speculative fiction, but the land of possibilities, no? as a conceptual, as a conceptual thought, uh, uh, concept, as a conceptual idea, no? is that. So I find that it's a great place to come up with ideas and a challenging one too. As, as if you go to Mars, right? What is it in Mars? And Mars is just, it's, it's a desert too, right? So yeah, I think sometimes I, I'm like in a, <laughs> in a, Colony in Mars or something.
0: <laughs> it sounds to me like you find places to have inspiration. Everywhere. Yes, like mm-hmm. you would find yeah. inspiration in Antarctica, and you would find in the desert. Yeah, yeah. there's so much mm-hmm. out there. Uh, and when, like, do you see trends walking on the ab uh, science fiction fantasy? Do you see trends uh, in that?
1: I see well we I think we talked a little bit about solar punk in the previews, I think. Which so one is to... that?
0: We talked about but... um about what what's what authors do when they can to actually talk about, you know, the actual regimens and they
1: have, yeah, you know. Yeah, they use dystopia sometimes and things Yeah. Like that. But we actually we are seeing we're kind of passing the dystopia and the apocalyptic uh, scenarios, and we're going through a phase where really people are trying to uh, write more hope punk and solar punk, which is trying to find versions of a sustainable future. So not so so grim a little bit more hopeful. It doesn't mean that you don't show the hardships and the problems, but you focus more on the solutions and the, the, the possibility of uh, reliance. People really being resilient and being able to overcome. So instead of um, just... Writing a lot about the catastrophes and the bad things that are happening and the, the decadence of society because things go into crumbles and everything. You talk more about rebuilding, collaboration, uh, ways to survive, um, and in a more collaborative way. You know what I mean? So, this is, I think, is. This is what right now, it's starting to emerge as I see it. So we're passing this post-apocalyptic, apocalyptic and, and, and dystopias. And we go through, I wouldn't say utopias, but more a more hopeful kind of vision of what the futures could be. Because one of the things also I, it has changed is that there is no we have shifted from one vision of the future to a multiple of futures. Like for example, as I was telling you, somebody in Africa may not see the, his or her future as somebody in Japan, right? Or in the Middle East or in the North of Europe or in Canada, I don't know. We have to think about the possibility that there is not just one, but multiple possible futures. This is a possibility. And that there is because this thing about super modern cities with flying cars and things like that, right? This is the idea we had about our future, right? There's sure. going to be robots. They're going to do everything at home for us and blah, blah, blah. We are shifting from that. And there's new voices saying things about this thing. Saying, well, maybe the future is not that. Our future at least is going to be more going back to... Um, native experience, native knowledge, knowledge that's been always in our cultures, but we haven't given enough importance until now because our ancestors knew how to live in the env- with the environment in a sustainable way more than us. Mm-hmm. So I think we're learning that and we're applying this projection into the future. I think this is one of the big trends.
0: Um, so... Um... I think on the one hand, it's important to have money. On the other hand, it is important. some places don't doesn't matter that you have money to pay because people don't have money to buy books. And also mm-hmm. awareness like around the world, sometimes translating without translating the difference in culture is hard because mm-hmm. if an American sits down yeah. to write, to read a story that's there are things we put in stories which take into account that the people reading this know what kind of culture we come from and different people come from different cultures yeah and sometimes it is being shy is the thing to do and sometimes being shy means the person is shy and sometimes being aggressive uh in in some society you Mm -hmm. say he shouted at him Sometimes that's an aggressive thing to do. Sometimes it's a friendly thing to do depending on what country you're from. Like,
1: yeah. Um, but I think know. that if if you write more stories, if you submit more stories and people read more different stories, they, they kind of get the sense that they can, you can read and get it out of the context. You can maybe not know everything, but you can get a good sense. It's like when I see I don't know you, but sometimes I have a guilty pleasure. I watch Korean or Chinese uh, historical dramas. Sure. And sometimes I have no idea what they're saying because sometimes I put the subtitles and sometimes I don't. I don't even care what they're saying. I just like the the, the dresses, the way they speak, the intonation. I like the way Chinese sounds because I know it's you know based on uh, you know the tones and everything and the protocols they had and everything. It's just beautiful. And I don't necessarily need to understand everything, but I know I immediately, I know it's totally different than my own culture. I know that if I was there, I would probably not know what to do and I would look like an idiot, but it is okay. It is okay to be surprised and to be shocked maybe sometimes. It is okay. I think we need to be, more open to, to that because um, to, you cannot expect everybody to to have exactly the same values and culture and, and uh, cultural references as you but but we do we all share American North American culture all all of us yeah. you can absolutely I can tell you I can bet that you can name almost all US states. Almost all of them, if not all, you know where they are more or less. You can you can name cities, you can name so many things from their culture. But on the other hand, how many people in from the US or not just the US, from any other country knows about Spain? Not not much or Italy, two, three things, but they don't know all the regions, they don't know all the states, they don't know so you can um you can know a lot about another culture that is not yours because of the exchange no the cultural exchanges and i don't know everything about italian culture i don't know everything about uh, french culture but i've been able to to read and and be exposed a little bit and and do it in in a voluntary way like i really wanted to know a little bit and i don't know anything about chinese but i would be willing to learn or to be to be exposed to that and i think that's a good thing and i think we need more of that <laughs> actually we need to to be more exposed to other things because i think that will help us to get along better in the in the long run i think
0: absolutely absolutely and I, I remember I saw Pocahontas. Remember the movie Pocahontas by Disney? Yes. I don't, yeah. It came out twenty something years ago. I saw it in uh, the theaters with my sister, and there was a part where you know she was feeling sad, and then she went with the long hair like this and started like she yes. was, came out of Beverly Hills 90210, and yes. I laughed so hard yes. I got elbowed by my sister. No one else was laughing, and. There's no way that kind of high school U.S. behavior would be. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, but
1: um, yeah, yeah, totally. I totally agree. It's laughable, but I think uh, sometimes if you are able to, you know, get out a little bit of and visit another countries, maybe you can realize those things. But if you are live just there, like I understand why they don't they don't see it because they're not exposed to any other thing. So,
0: yeah.
1: It is so
0: a pity. I have like one last question for you about it and,
1: mm.
0: and then I can let you go. Um, do you see a trend in, I've started asking uh, authors and, uh, and, mm. and artists that I've been talking to. Uh, if I usually talk about the specific thing with you, I talk about the whole thing, but I, I do want to um, you know two things if that's okay I this and then I also want to go over like some of your books and stories just mm-hmm. so you can let people know what uh, to what do um, do you see a trend of more people offering to buy up op- to option rights for television and, uh, and movies in international uh, science fiction fans uh, w- what I think it is I
1: mean the volume has increased of uh, works being adapted into movies into because I think there's more now more platforms and there's more demand so they need material yeah. and Just for that, they need more historical dramas, they they need more fantasy dramas, they need or fantasy stories and science fiction stories. I think science fiction resonates uh, very well with young audiences normally in general. Uh, So it's demanded because of that, precisely because it's something that uh, you can grab young audiences and this is a big chunk of of their audience. Um, so it is because we have the Netflix and the uh, HBO and the Disney and all these things coming up and more and more that we need more material. And I've seen a lot of um, a lot of people um, hunting for for stories. They're hungry for stories, for for new ideas, for new ways to tell maybe the same story but telling them in a different way. So. I think it's because of that. Um, And I don't know if this is going to get to a point where it's going to stand and and it's going to even decrease because my guess is that all those platforms, they're going, it's like banks, they're going to start merging and, you know, there will be, at the end, there will be maybe one or two big ones or it's the the monopoly at the end. So I don't know whether... Like adapt adaptations are good, but um, I also like to think that there will be shows created specifically as an original pieces or original original works for for this. Not just adaptations. I think it's also nice to to work in projects that are just specifically for for the for film or for TV shows and just create it as, as such.
0: Interesting. Okay, and now the last thing. Like, can you tell a, a little to the people listening who don't know you, what books and stories, like Sanne, a little bit about your books and stories, like yours, not other people.
1: Okay. But I have one very nice thing because I, I was able to get it from Spain when I was there. Yeah. is This book, which is Del Naranja al Azul, which is from orange to blue. Okay. If you turn it, it's another book. Oh, And it is actually a flip book, right? So you can start it pretty much how you want it. And uh, my, I, when people ask me how, which story should we read there first? I don't know, I'm not objective. I can tell you that the, I wrote this first and then mm. this is kind of the sequel. So you can read it like that, but also you can read it the opposite the way because you read the, oh, I no, think this the
0: yeah.
1: most compelling story. This is the the, the most modern uh, story. And then, um. you, yeah, you read the other one and you realize where everything came from. Mm. Um, and so, you can do both. It's I sometimes say just just throw it on top of uh, uh, the bed. What is it about the bed, the bed and whatever it uh, it uh, how you know it, whatever it lands you start. But if you can see in this one, when you turn it, right, you turn it. Yeah. it there is you see it? it's it's a it's a it's a boy. It's the the
0: oh the, I see it yeah? oh
1: you see it okay. Yeah, yeah. This is also in the other one. Uh, although it's not so clear because this is her hair, it's a girl, and this is supposed to be the helmet of an astronaut. But it's very difficult to make the silhouette of a woman with a with <laughs> the with a with a, uh, with a helmet. It's not so easy because you know those spacesuits are bulky, so it was kind of hard to make it, but it's there. Mm-hmm. So um when I wrote the, the, the first one, it was, uh, I think, 10 years ago. And this one, I wrote it uh, three years ago. This one was the first um, novel written by a woman who won the Ignotus Award, which is the, the award that the Spanish Association of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror gives every year. And it's, it's popular vote. People vote for whatever they feel that should win and this one, and I was the first female writer, believe it or not, who ever won this. Um, okay. And Yeah, and so, and after me, the last year, another girl, uh, another female author uh, won, uh, Diana P. Morales for Voces en la Ribera del, Voces uh, en la oh, I always, I always uh, missed missed uh, the, the title. Voces en la rivera en la ribera del mundo, something like voices in the in the in the in the lines or in the border of the world, something like that. Uh, so when I wrote this one, uh, as I'll tell you, it was like 10 years ago, and it talks about a pandemic. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> so basically what it happens is like. In this book, I don't I don't write about oh there's a pandemic people die blah blah blah. I write about two years after the pandemic the pandemic happened, and it's a pandemic that happened because there are human beings that come in spacecrafts exactly like us who come and say oh we've uh, you know we've lost our home our planet we've been for generations and generations looking for a viable planet and we just you know we just see this beautiful uh, blue panel and you are like us and we just want to come see if we can you know live here and we will in exchange if you give us basically they are refugees if you think about it if you let us stay in your planet we will give you a source of energy a clean energy uh, and, and, and unlimited because we have the technology but what happens is that when they come and they have this meeting with all the leaders of the world, like the G20 meeting and, and everything, they come, they meet, but they carry with them germs against which we don't have as humans in, on earth, we have any defenses. So they spread a pandemic and people die like 99 0.99, 99, 99% of the population dies. Mm-hmm. Everybody, almost everybody. So just a bunch of survivors from Earth are capable of rebuild uh, kind of society. And they have also to uh, live with these people from space that are like us, supposedly. The thing is, yes, they are like us. They are human beings also, but their society, because they've been living in those Spacecraft for many, many, many generations, it's not exactly like ours. For example, they have social distance as a rule, they don't touch each other, they don't even talk to each other. You predicted that, yeah. I tell you, this is really strange. It was written uh, 10 years ago, and it's creepy now when I read it. So of course, back then we thought it was science fiction, but almost fantasy because it's never gonna happen. Now it's reality. <laughs> so it, it was really strange. The thing is that I wanted to show, uh, I wanted to talk about xenophobia and political refugees. I wanted to talk about a clash of cultures because these people have a different culture. They, they are not like us. They don't touch each other. They don't talk to each other. They were living in horrible conditions in space because they didn't have a lot of resources. And when they come to this uh, this planet, they, it's, it's a planet just for them. But as they release this uh, pandemic without maybe wanting it, they also have allergy to our uh, our um, atm- atmosphere. So they cannot be enclosed. They have to be with you know those kind of like overalls and and and. Completely sealed from the from the atmosphere, they cannot be in contact. So they are here, but they can't really be out. So it talks about this, but not um, what I try to do is like I try to portray how Earth would be two years after all this horrendous catastrophe happened. How p- life went on because it went on with problems with the obstacles, but it went on. So this is what I, what I tell in, in this one. In this one is 15 I years remember. after, 15 years after. And one of the Vionauts, one of those people coming from space, has started a life in, on Earth with, a, with humans forming a family, a non-normative family of uh-huh. two men and one woman. And they have a baby. The thing is, who's the father of the baby? (laughs) The Bionaut or the human from Earth? And the baby has, uh, let's say, I don't want to give spoilers, but it's special. It's very special. So the Bionaut has to tell this girl, it's a girl, the story of his life for her to understand who she is. And uh, in Bionauts, there are not chapters. Um, I'm going to show you. It's a book without chapters because um, what is it's a It's supposed to be like, a, you know, 24%. Because 24%. it's actually, yeah, it is as if it's a monologue. So it's like a recording. So instead of um, chapters, oh. you have uh, percents of. The recording that you read, and it's it's a kind of a different uh, way to write a story because when you are telling a story, as you know, um, it's not as you write. So when you tell stories, sometimes you have flashbacks, you go forward, you move, you know, you 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 tell things not in the linear order. So I experimented a little bit with that because I wanted to show how would it be for somebody to tell their story. How would it feel? Right. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't be exactly starting from point A and finishing in the end. You sometimes go back and forth and I, I forgot to tell you about this. And so uh, I think that what people like it, at least what they said, is that even though it's a science fiction story, it feels really about human relations. And and so some people that are reluctant to, to read science fiction found it very appealing because it's nothing like, ooh, you know, it's robots and it's a uh, horror uh, science fiction. I'm not gonna understand anything. It. no. It's about really human, human interaction uh, and what it is, what it means to be human. So I think anybody can enjoy it. And this um, is my, my most recent.
0: <laughs> that sounds very interesting. Can you tell me about like another one?
1: Well, another one I published um, one in English, one story in English in Clarksworth.
0: Yeah,
1: it's called "Embracing the Movement," and I think you can also it's uh, it was it came out. You can get in, it on Amazon. You can
0: get it on Kindle. It's yeah.
1: You can get it everywhere. It's also yeah. in in uh, you can hear uh, listen to it. It's been it's uh, yeah, and it's called "Embracing the Movement," and it's also science fiction. And it talks about um, uh, it's about encountering a, a also an alien life life form that is um, collective a collective. So the story is uh, it's also tell, tell from the first person in plural. Uh-huh. It's us, we we and and in the film and. In, when i wrote it in spanish i wrote it as female female as, as. In, in english you cannot tell but but i said brothers and sisters uh, sorry uh, i say my sisters so kind of like i hinted that is female collective
0: uh-huh. and
1: um because it's a female collective it thinks that everything else is female <laughs> like all the all the um, every every other uh, creature that they found in the universe is also like them. It's, it's kind of like where we try to, when we think about aliens, until very recent, we thought about anthropoid, no? like there would wow. be aliens, but kind of like looking like us more or less, right? Not, that, not, it wasn't until the arrival or alien or something like that, that we started to think about, okay, it could be totally, different from us right so
0: mm-hmm. go back a, c- a couple of sentences
1: yeah it's just that it's just a uh, you know um when when a collective life form meets one creature uh, doesn't understand why it's one and it's just completely different from what she they are they are so they are having a hard time believing that any there's other things that collective life forms out there. So it's just a conversation with this one astronaut and questioning the, you know, their how can they be being just one? And the Clarkswell liked it and published it in the June issue. And I also have another one in Strange Horizons who came out in April. But It's a horror story and it's called Second Death of the Father. Uh, and it's based on my father passed away a few years oh. ago so uh, it's very autobiographical if you if you think if you will yeah
0: it's interesting uh, i'll go so in you can, read
1: and you can read them in english <laughs> yes
0: listen thank you very much uh, for the time it's my pleasure i'm so glad you came back
1: Mm. Oh, I'm so glad! Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, I had a great time, and it's been a pleasure. And I hope uh, one day maybe we can do another another time. Absolutely.
0: Have a good night. Good night. Thank you me. very Thank
1: much. You. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you so much for Christina. In the show notes, uh, this time I've linked to some of her stories in English that you can find. There's Embracing the Movement in Clark's World, Black Snow in Daily Science Fiction. There's an Amazon page with various publications in English and Spanish. On Twitter, she's at DNAZProject, and her webpage is in the show notes as well. Next time, because there is always a next time in this huge quilt, and we will never run out of geeks and fans and creators to highlight. So next time, a comic book artist with a unique path of his own. Giggitamin Powers releases three episodes a week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Email me for silly reasons or serious reasons or, uh, alien reasons or if you want to be guest, if you suggest guests, if your thing is, you know. So I'm at guy.hasson. That's G-U-Y dot H-A-S-O-N-S-I-N-Nerd at com. The website is GeekTheMeemPows.com on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We're at GeekTheMeemPows. And my name is Guy Hasson. And if you want to check out my other podcast, The Squash Buckler Diaries, uh, it is an experiment in epic fantasy. The Squash Buckler Diaries. I will see you next time. And for now, have an empowered day.